What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of? It's C-Rock in the house today. The unstoppable C-Rock. Let me, let me put that back in front of the C-Rock. Unstoppable C-Rock, just like you, on a mission here that all people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams. And I'm going to continue on with this mission with today's guest, Chris Ryan. He's the CEO of GoBundance, which is an advanced mastermind. I believe it was, and he'll, he'll confirm this later on, but he became the CEO in 2020. That's a year that we all got thrown through a loop. And some of us rose to the occasion and others played the victim role and suffered and others had no choice. But that was a crazy year. And during that year, it looks like the Go Bros increased by 134 in 2020. And then in 2021, it blew up 294 new members. They call them Go Bros. And we'll talk more about this as we talk to Chris. But Chris, let's welcome you to the show, man. Hey, grateful uh, to be here. Thanks a lot for having me. And I'm looking forward to this tremendously. So before we get into GoBundance and talk about what you're doing now, what you got you excited and all that, let's talk about first the question that I ask all of my guests. What are you made of? You know, I've, I've thought about that and I've had the privilege of watching a few of your uh, podcasts in preparation for this. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's pretty straightforward. You know, all of us in this world are forces. And the question is, where do you want to spend your time? Where do you want to spend your energy? And where do you want to spend your talents? You know, my mission is really straightforward. I discovered a long time ago that my purpose in this life was to find a way to help move the needle in the lives of others from success to significance. And I have been spending the better part of the last 25 years in different groups and with different organizations trying to make that, uh, that happen. And so it's, it's not just a profession. It's not just a vocation. It's truly a calling. And I find that my fulfillment, my satisfaction, my satiation comes from helping move the needle in the lives of others. And in doing so, feeling very content and happy with myself. And I love it. I love it. Sounds like to me, what you're saying is you're made of a mission. You know, I think it's, I think all of us have purpose in this life. And I think the sooner and the earlier in life that we can find what that purpose is and what we're made of and what we're put on this planet to do. Candidly, the happier we can be and, and the more congruent we can be with who we are and who we choose to be day in and day out. Yeah, love that, man. So where did it all start for you, Chris? Like where take us back, you know, where did you grow up? What was life like as a kid? And then what, what was kind of the first professions that you got into? Yeah. So reasonable childhood, nothing particularly super critical there. Parents focused us around church, school. And I'm a tennis player. Uh, and so I uh, played a lot of tennis as a kid, went to college in Texas, went to grad school at SMU in Dallas, Texas, and then built and sold a bunch of technology companies. And then had the privilege in 1996, hearing a guy named Bob Buford speak in Dallas, Texas. He's the author of a book called Halftime. And the whole 
mission of moving from success to significance came off of reading that book and actually spending almost four years working with him almost as a disciple of his in learning what he was doing and trying to change the world and then finding a way to take what I learned from him and pay it back. And so, as you may know, I've run a number of different uh, mastermind groups. GoBundance is the most recent one. And, and candidly, I've probably had more fun, more success, and, and more life fulfillment in the work that I've done with GoBundance in the last two years than just about everything else I've done before that. Gotcha. So when the, what I heard you say was you built and sold tech companies. And that was in the 90s? In the 90s, was yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, built and sold about a half dozen different tech companies. And you know, as with a lot of folks coming out of college at that point in time, you know, the tech space was the Wild West. Uh, and you, you pretty much had to have a pulse to be able to be successful in that space. So I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to tell you that I was really smart and really successful with the tech companies. But candidly, I think I just, I just had a surfboard like everybody else did, got on some waves and ran them really well for about uh, nine, 10 years, got out of the tech business, and then shortly thereafter, wound up jumping into the mastermind space. And so with the tech, why not just one company or two companies? Why was there six? How did you like keep going or what did yeah, you decide? It's, it's, you know, we're the, uh, <laughs> we're the victims of opportunity in so much as started with one business that was going good and then stumbled into a second business, picked that one up and then, you know, had a tech company that installed networks, had a group that did desktop support, had another company that did internet learning had another company that was a technical recruiting group. We did project management work. And what we found was it wasn't necessarily the Midas touch. It was just the right space, the right market at the right time. And as you know, the tech space just rocketed throughout the 90s. And probably this more than anything else was more lucky than smart in deciding to get out of the tech space at the end of the 90s and sold my last business in the tech space in May of 2000 based on a December 1999 valuation. So right before the bubble burst, wound up walking away with a you know modicum of financial success and really used that to help fund the activities that I found myself being drawn to going forward. Love it. So was it life-changing finances? No, That's it, was, uh, it was a nice single, maybe a double, but it was enough to give me candidly the time to decide what I wanted to do and where I truly felt myself driven and my calling in finding purpose and mission. And hopefully, you know, as Steve Jobs likes to say, find my way to make a dent in the universe. Yeah. You know, a lot of people hear this, right? They hear it from all of us, like get a mission, go after your mission. It's not all about money. Money will follow. But so many people have a hard time getting a reality with that, right? Because they're going after their businesses and trying to make a buck and trying to make 10 bucks and a thousand bucks and so on, a million. And so others are uh, entrepreneurs or working for someone else. And they're, they're just like, I, I can't even fathom just focusing on my mission, right? So I think that, like you said, there's some luck and timing involved, but also I think there's some preparation and planning that goes into it that, look, you can have a mission, but what you're doing sometimes in the beginning is not necessarily going after your mission directly. It's more building up to the point where you can be in a position to serve your mission. Am I right? Yeah. Everyone has to find their calling and their purpose in life. Some people do, some people don't. But candidly, from a standpoint of what are you doing that makes you happy? What are you doing that 
creates value for you? What are you doing that makes you feel important and significant in the world? You know, if it's a if it's if it's being a menial worker, if it's being a king, it's whatever we're drawn to. And I think we got to work on finding what that passion and that purpose is. And maybe it's work. You know, I think there's passion and purpose to be had in your relationships. I think there's passion and purposes to be had with the philanthropic and charity initiatives that you may have. You know, it's not, we're not just one dimensional animals. And especially in working with a lot of just really great organizations, uh, the one that's coming to mind right now is an organization called Tiger 21. You know, oftentimes people will get focused on one dimension of their life, often the work or often the wealth, and it comes at the cost of other stuff. You know, who cares? How many zeros in your bank account if you're estranged from your spouse or your children? You know, how many, how many successful deals do you have to have in order to make up for a health challenge? Yeah. You, have? yeah. you know, in the in the grand scheme of life, you and I aren't leaving this world with a New York nickel in our pocket. At the end of the day, what matters most is not the wealth or the success in and of itself. Now, it's great fuel. It's great. Um, uh, uh, it creates opportunity for us, but it's not at all what drives us. Rather, what drives us oftentimes are relationships. As we get older, it's health span and lifespan. It's also finding ways to create opportunity and value to those that are less fortunate than us in the form of charity or in the form of philanthropy. And if we're not focusing on that, I believe we're not living a life fully lived. And I think candidly, we're leaving opportunity and joy and happiness on the table. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more, man. So before I get to success to significance, can you give us a catalytic moment in your life where you thought, oh man, sometimes when bad things happen to us, we're like, oh, this is the end. We get so stuck in that present time problem that we forget about the future and the mission and the goals. What's one that sticks out to you where you were just like, oh, this is... eh." And then you ended up using it for fuel, or you look back and you saw the mission that unfolded. You saw you yeah. know, things. That- it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. So as you know, sometimes the greatest learnings in our life don't come from our successes. Actually, they come from our failures. And I have failed repeatedly and mightily throughout my life at different times. And you know, a few, a few instances come to mind. The one that comes to mind is I'm 17 years old. I am a freshman at the University of Texas at Austin, and my father sits me down on my dorm room bed and says, you're officially cut off. And uh, from this point forward, you're 100% on your own. You didn't get the tennis scholarship that you expected to get in the full ride into the University of Texas at Austin. And you can, you can go to work, you can stay in school, you can do whatever you want to do, you just can't come home. And that probably was one of the most fearful experiences that I've ever had in my life. Yet I use that to fuel out of fear and necessity more than want, desire. The starting of my first business, I used that literally to parlay myself into a relationship with a woman where I was living with her and didn't have to pay for my dorm within a semester. And there was a tremendous amount of good that came out of what was at the time an insanely scary moment in my life because I had no idea outside of about $500 sitting in my bank account what my future held for me. Uh, And I knew that I wanted to go to college. I knew that I wanted to pursue business. And I knew I wanted to make something in my life. And uh, that that was one of many tipping points that I've had growing up. 
Man, I remember those days myself. <laughs> I remember. I don't remember what it was like though. Like I remember going out with my buddies and going out to eat and um, hanging out at parties and buying beer and all that. But I don't remember like thinking about how much is in my bank account or not. I don't. I don't remember that thought. Like it's wild though because. Good for you, brother. Because I uh, I literally was eating top Raymond to the point that I was malnourished. I'm not even making this up. <laughs> and uh, you could get five top Raymond for a dollar. And I started to stink like the seasoning in the uh, top Raymond. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Chicken mushroom. <laughs> you know, the, the fact that my girlfriend at the time put up with me was a testament to her patience and, uh, and, and deteriorating standards, I believe. But, you know, those are not just the moments that are scary and, and daunting, but they're also the moments that really test your mettle because who we are is not defined by our successes. Who we are and the real test of our mettle is defined by our failures and defined when all of us are in that situation where there is fear, there is adversity, there is challenge, there is conflict. And we have to decide who we are because that is so much more important in terms of defining our character and our moral and our value set because everyone's a nice guy when things are going well. It's easy to be the, the warm guy, the kind guy, the sweet guy, whatever the, the scripture you want to use there. It's when our backs are up against the wall. It's when we are facing adversity and don't know what the outcome is, that who we are truly shines through. And I have this example that I used in some of my mastermind groups called the last chat. And what it is, is if you're on your deathbed in a hospital, uh, your family has you know, kissed you goodbye. They've left. Visiting hours are over. And uh, someone walks in that you can't really make out. And then you realize quickly that it is you, but it's the optimal version of yourself. It's the person who's made the right decisions. It's the person who's made the right calls. It's the, the person who has lived the life, fully lived. lived. And you were, have, you were tasked with having a last chat with that individual. You know, There's so much of our life that is a roll of the dice, where we're born, who our parents are. A lot of our business successes, you know, living here in the United States, you know, we're blessed to live in arguably one of the greatest countries in the history of mankind. And so there's a lot of luck involved with where you and I sit today. No question about that. But where I think all of us will find common ground is on how we choose to live our lives. And that last chat can go a multitude of different ways. It can be a great conversation where whether you're a, a prince or a pauper, that optimal version of yourself is proud of who you are, proud of what you've done, proud of who you've become based on your values, based on your ethics, based on your, your morals, or it could be something very different than that. And I think about that, and I've used that with a number of the masterminds that I've had as a way to kind of do a level set and decide on whether or not we are truly living for the best last chat we could have, or oftentimes as we can get so easily distracted in the bullshit of the day-to-day or what culture defines as success, that we lose sight of that. 100%. Yeah. And I'm I'm really committed to that last chat being a good one. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. I love that. And also when you're going through the tough times, can you sing and give gratitude and be gracious when you're going through the suffering? 
And I always talk the same thing what you're talking about, but adding to the fact that when it's tougher and you think that it's bad, and a lot of times, look, man, it's not as bad as we think it is. You know, and it's also never as good as other people view your success, right? Like, so I always say that, but but when you're going through those times that you perceive to be rough and man, if you can just still be happy regardless, not that you're not taking it seriously or be, you know, being realistic with it and not working, but still being happy, joyous, man, taking care of people, still hugging people and paying attention to people and asking how they how they're doing and genuinely genuinely listening. And uh, that's that's personally something I've, I'm working on right now. Over the last three to six months, I've been really leaning into. You know what? If I can figure this out, how great could my life be? If no matter what's happening, I'm happy, right? You know, so. and I, I think, and, and you own that, right? So I have a, a exercise that I do every morning and every night. I have a what I call a gratitude prayer, and I think of three things that I'm grateful for. So you know, as a silly example, I got up this morning. My daughter's just coming back from a trip that she took to Miami. She got home safe, grateful for her having a great trip, grateful for her getting home safe. I have an outstanding family in terms of my two brothers, both of which I've spoke to this morning. They're all doing great, super grateful for that. And as I mentioned to you right now, I'm down in Costa Rica doing some stem cell therapy, and I'm really grateful for the fact that I live in a world where there's technology that's really cutting edge and that I can literally invest in both my health span and my lifespan, not for today at the ripe old age of 54, but for my 70s, 80s, and hopefully 90s. And yeah, those are the yeah. three things that I'm grateful for this morning and then tonight before I go to bed. And what I found, if you can find gratitude and things to be grateful for, it does two things. When times are going well, it humbles you and it allows you to enjoy and be fully present in the moment, which is something that I think a lot of us struggle with. But maybe more importantly, when times are rough and you can still be grateful for your family or for your health or for your friends, it tends to cushion those blows and makes the situation maybe a little bit less dire, a little bit less dark, and a little bit, little bit less daunting. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, man. So what is it with masterminds that got you hooked? You know, I'm convinced that one of the greatest gifts that this world offers us are relationships with people who are committed to seeing us thrive under all circumstances. And mastermind groups do this in a very significant way. And I've been privileged to run a number of different groups. And what I find with the ones that seem to thrive and do best is everybody, first and foremost, is able to check their ego at the door. With a lot of these groups, especially the men's groups that I run, there's a lot of ego. There's a lot of bravado. There's a lot of you know, type A, heat-seeking missile behavior. But the gift of the masterminds that I'm most familiar with is that everyone's able to kind of put that aside and focus on not just what's most important to them as an individual, but also focus on what's most important to the man or the woman because I've, I've run other groups that are co-ed that are next to them. So you got to be able to put yourself aside and you got to serve in the benefit of not only the collective good, but the individual's good that may be showing up with an issue, a challenge, an opportunity, whatever the case may be. And if yeah. you can create that environment that's high trust, that's high respect, that's high openness and high vulnerability, you can really move the needle in people's lives in what's most important to them. Maybe it's a business deal. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a blind spot that they have with respect to their health or something else that's going on that you want to kind of give them. The term that I use is called carefrontation. You know, C-Rock, you're doing great in this aspect in your life, but brother, you're forgetting this over here. You got to focus over here. And if you can be carefrontational in that delivery, meaning you can be confrontational 
but deliver it with care, you can really help the other person grow. You can help the other person better themselves. And collectively, the water level rises for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. Carefrontational. Carefrontational. I'm just, I'm confrontational because I don't think confrontation is a negative thing. So a lot of people think confrontation, they have a warped, warped connotation of it, but I think it's a positive thing. But I love how you put a spin on that. And then what's the secret, if it's a secret, to you adding so many members in 2020, 2021? And I don't even know how 2022 is going off the top of my head, but what was the secret when you came in that you guys were able to grow so significantly? Yeah, I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a secret. And candidly, the growth is not what is driving my energy, activity, and strategy within GoBundance. You know, first and foremost, it's a team effort. We have 28 members of what we call the Go team, or those are the employees and the contractors that we use for GoBundance. So it's very much a collective effort. But what we have found, especially in the time of uh, the adversity of this crazy COVID pandemic that we're, uh, we're thankfully all collectively rolling out of, is the best investment that you can make across any organization is in the individual. You know, In times of adversity, you can always find ways to better yourself. And what we really believe in GoBundance is that we need to constantly be sharpening the knife and improving the value that we provide to our members. And by our members, I'm not just talking about the men and women that are in GoBundance. We have about 740 or so men. We have about 120 or so women. But we also want to create impact that goes to these men and women as husbands and wives with their spouses, yes. as fathers and mothers to their children. Because with all due respect, you know, you and I are just getting to know one another. But if I do something that positively impacts you, that's great. If I do something that helps you in your relationship with your wife, even better. And then uh, if we do something that positively moves the trajectory or the needle with your children, that becomes a mic drop moment. Yeah, and absolutely. So, yeah, the focus here is not about focusing on growth. The focus here is focusing on value. And if you can create the value, it's the field of dreams model. They will come. And so I'm really grateful and appreciative of everyone within GoBundance who has absolutely doubled down on focusing on the value. And the value, I think, more than anything else, is driven the expansion. And what is the mission of GoBundance, Chris? So the idea is to really help holistically to pour into these men and women to be their ultimate selves. So we have different, we have six different pillars of GoBundance. The wealth pillar is one of the six, but authentic relationships epic adventures, generous contribution in terms of philanthropy. These are all things that are important to us, and they're important to the men and the women that become uh, members of GoBundance. And so we look at everyone's lives holistically in trying to help them be their ultimate versions and optimal versions of themselves. I love it, man. I'm checking out the website here. Guys, if you want to check this out, go to GoBundance.com, GoBundance.com. You can check it out. You can see all the things that he's talking about here, bucket list adventures, man. So as we wind down here, final question. Well, I have two. One is if somebody out there is listening and they want to start their own mastermind, they want to start their own form of this, like what, where do they start besides just get going, right? Where, where's the best? Give a couple of steps or, or keys to getting something started from scratch. Yeah. So the first thing you got to figure out is you got to figure out what you stand for, right? So you know, in, uh, if you don't have some form of foundation of values, or uh, we call them pillars, then you're kind of blowing in the wind. 
So, you know, to anyone who's interested in starting their own mastermind, the first thing you got to figure out is what do you want to, what do you want to organize and orient the mastermind around? Then what you got to do is you got to find like-minded people that share whatever those ethics, morals, and values are. And you got to figure out what the purpose of what you're doing is. So, you know, it's easy to have a group of guy friends. It's easy to have a group of girlfriends. That's simple. But when you want to mastermind, what's the purpose and how are you going to better yourself? How are you going to better each other? And how are you going to create value that ultimately is greater than any one contributing member to the organization? And I think regardless, you know, take abundance out of the picture. I think all of us are better off with a community of people around us that almost serve like a personal board of directors. And to the comment that I made earlier that you resonated with this idea of carefrontation, how many of us walk through life with blind spots where we're missing something in our life that we're not aware of? And if but for the opportunity of one or two close friends that care enough about us to say, hey, you're putting on some extra LBs, big boy, it's time to jump on the treadmill. Or yep, yep. hey, you're ignoring your spouse and your children. You know, what's important to you? Or, hey, get off the hedonic treadmill. Congratulations, you've now picked up your third Bentley. That's great. But you're ignoring the people that love and care about you the most in life. Unless you have those friends around you that can give you that loving kick in the ass or kick in the side of the head, what do you want to call it? What are you doing? Yeah. So yeah. those would be some of the things that I'd, I'd recommend to someone wanting to get their own mastermind off the ground. I love it. And then final question. I appreciate your time here. And we're running a little bit over, but just final question. What's the vision for the future just for you personally, Chris, not just not the things that you're into, whatever, but, but for you personally, obviously you gave us a little touch of it about trying to make sure right now you're concerned with preparing yourself in your 70s and making sure that you're, you're doing things now that are going to make you better in your 70s. But what's the vision right now that you're like, when you wake up in the morning, like not your mission, but the vision that you're, that you're chasing, I don't want to say chasing, but going after, going yeah. towards. So the biggest challenge, as you would expect, is time. Right. So we all have a finite time on this planet, whether we realize it or not. And that that sense urgency has me wanting to create more impact, more value, more of a legacy in the context of not just the work that I do, but the family that I have, the friendships that I have, and the world's charity and others that I inhabit. My vision is to continue to build with the organizations that I'm working with right now, continue to find ways to create exponential value in terms of one plus one doesn't equal two, one plus one equals eight. Yes, and constantly looking for ways to create partnerships, relationships, and opportunities for not just myself, but for all of these communities to benefit and to grow in a way that is meaningful, purposeful, and as I open this conversation, significant. Well, I love that, man. And I consider you a friend now for being on the show. And uh, we'll work on this relationship too, because uh, I love what you stand for and we're definitely in alignment. And I want to thank you for your time today, Chris, for coming on the show. This, you guys have been listening to Christopher Ryan on the What Are You Made Of show. Chris, any final words? Hey, I am super grateful and uh, grateful to you and to all of your viewers and listeners. If there's anything I can do to help, I'm pretty easy accessible. The website is www.gobundance, G-O-B-U-N-D-A-N-C-E.com. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. All right. Thank you. And guys, keep coming back. Thank you so much for your support. If you like this episode, make sure you leave a comment, rate the podcast, and go subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. You can also watch these videos on YouTube at Mike C. Rock on YouTube. 
And again, guys, I've been in Clubhouse a lot lately. I've been going on Cody Harvey's new platform, Breakout. Check it out. It's going to be launching in October, but you can go on there now, start gaining some followers and meeting people. I love to shout out other people that are grinding and trying to do big things. So go see us there. And until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's Mike. CROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.